wrap up our little three-part series on the church in, in tonight and talking practically about um, like how to church. How to church. It is now a verb. Church is a verb. Um, so, I remember it was January of 1997. Most of you were not alive. I get that. But still, January of 1997, I was traveling on my way down to Joplin, Missouri. I grew up in Kansas City, Kansas, and was heading to Joplin, Missouri. I, I was a, a sophomore in college, and I was transferring to Ozark. And, and I was doing really well. God had, like, big things that happened in my life over the last six months, like really big things. Um, basically, I gave my life to Christ. Um, I started... Um, growing in my daily relationship with Jesus. I started helping out with a youth group. I was um, reading my Bible daily. I had a, I had a hundred, hundred chapters in a hundred days. I, I just committed to read the Bible, and, and I completed that. That was the first time I'd ever made a, like any sort of goal about the Bible and accomplish it. And so I'm like, Something, something's changed here. Um, I, I also broke up with my girlfriend that I dated for about two and a half years because I really believe God wanted me to do that. And so lots of crazy things that I was doing that, that I would have never done had, had God not kind of moved in me. So, I, so big things were happening. I was excited for this next chapter. And I was driving down to Joplin, and I was, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if you guys have done this, but I, started, I, I remember thinking in this period of time, you know, about marriage, about the idea of being married. And, and, and I kind of looked forward to that. I, I looked forward to figuring out who that was. And I, I don't know if you guys have done this, but I wondered, I wonder if I'm going to be, I wonder if she's here. Like, I wonder if we'll be sitting next to her in class. I wonder if I'll pass her somehow on campus. Do you guys play this game? Like, you, you look around and go, they could be in this room. I don't know, they could be walking by right now. They could be sitting at Panera. Um, and so, and then I remember having this, other, playing the other game, which is, oh, no, it's never going to happen because, of course, I want it to happen. That's why it won't happen. You know, you play that game, too. And so I remember in this season, I remember having these thoughts about marriage and really looking forward to it. And then, and then all of a sudden, I meet Ryan, and we become friends, and we start hanging out with other friends. And, and then within a couple months, we were going on dates, and then by the end of the semester, we were dating. And it happened way faster than I honestly thought it would. And, and then fast forward a year, the, the following summer, actually that, that summer, we, we were on, I was on camp teams. I traveled during the week, and so um, we would talk on the weekends or on the phone or maybe I'd see her once in a while, but you know, this relationship kind of developed. And then a year later, next summer, we're getting married. And I, and I remember having these really, I'm about to show you our wedding picture. Um, it's not black and white. Yeah. yeah, that's me. I was uh, 15. That's when I was. I was 15 years old when we got married. No, uh, no. no. Yeah. Um, so... We got married, and I remember having all kinds of great ideas about marriage. Like, I loved the idea of marriage, and I, and I had all these expectations about what marriage would be, and I didn't know I even had these expectations, and, and just like most expectations, you don't know you have them until, until what? 
yeah, they're not met until somehow it doesn't happen. And, and it's kind of like, whoa. Because I, I, all, the, all the fun things about marriage were true, but I, I, I really didn't really think about the hard things about marriage. Like, like living next to somebody who, just by being in proximity with somebody, like your flaws are going to be surfaced and, and um, called out, and, and sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. She just happens to reflect back like my issues, like my selfishness just became a real thing. I didn't even know how selfish I was until I got married. And then I found out I was even more selfish when I had kids. And so it just kind of keeps happening. And, and so I remember about year three realizing, like, this is a problem. Um, I have these expectations. I, I have these ideals about what I think marriage should be. And, and, I'm, and these aren't being met. Not all of them. Like, a lot of them were, but not all of them were. And, and so I, we wrestled with that for several years. And I remember probably around year five or six realizing, okay, I have a choice. I can either continue clinging on to my ideals and, and what I think it should be, or I could start embracing what it is, embracing reality. And, and I, I had to learn to, like, for the betterment of my marriage and for the, and, and for the betterment of my love for her, put to death my ideals and not necessarily stop hoping for the best things, but honestly, like, start to love the real. Like, instead of just loving the idea of having a wife, I had to learn to love specifically Ryan and, and like, where she came from and, and how God had wired her and who she was. And, and, this, and the gifts and the strengths that, that she had, I had to, like, love those things. And, and, and the same she had to do for me. She, there was a lot of things that she had to let go of in order to love me as well. So this was a two-way street. Um, but actually, you guys know what this is like. Not, not, not the exact same thing, maybe, but how many, of you, how many of you have changed your major sometime in college? Okay, so maybe at least half of you, or if not more. So do you remember the moment when you realized... Like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. You love the idea of being a teacher or an engineer or whatever, and then you got into, maybe it was a class you're taking, or maybe you, you had some experience and you got, maybe you shadowed somebody or you did an internship, or, or maybe it was several years into the program and you're like, yeah, this is not what I want to do. And, and your, your idea of it was one thing, and the reality of it was something else. And you had, you had to make a choice. Luckily, you weren't married to your, your, to your degree, so you got to, like, abandon it. But, like, with, a, with relationships, it's not the same way. Like, all of you have friendships. You, you, have, um, you have maybe roommates. And you might have loved the idea of coming to college and having roommates and, and doing all kinds of fun things together, and then you actually get roommates. Or then you actually ha- get into a relationship with people who are messy. Like, everybody's normal until you get to know them. And then you find out we're all messed up. Like we all have issues. We're all selfish. We're all, we all have moments where we lose it, right? And so you don't have it in those relationships. You don't have a choice. Like you, well, actually, you do have a choice. You can continue to want the ideal and, 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 ru- and ruin the relationship, or you can begin to embrace the real and, and love the actual person. So church is the same way. And so I want to talk about, um, before I get into some practical things on how to um, 
go to church and be involved in church and be committed to church, I want to I give some perspectives on the church that I think would be, would be really helpful. And the first one is this. To learn to love the real more than the ideal. Learn to love the real more than the ideal. Um, because this, this is going to happen. Like if, when, when you get into a church or into a community, you're going to have expectations and most likely they're not going to be met. Listen to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a pastor in Germany during World War II. Listen to what he says. He wrote a book called Life Together. And he says that every human wish dream that is injected into Christian community, when he says wish dream, he means your, your hope for the ideal, like your ideal situation. So every human wish dream that's injected into Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be, must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He or she who loves their dream of community more than Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. Even though their personal intentions may have been ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. So what he's saying is, is when you cling on to those, um, those wish dreams about what you wish community was, what you wish the church was, or what you wish the relationships were, um, you actually become a killer of the actual relationship. And I had to learn this, like, the hard way. I had to, I had to repent of the way I was loving the people that God put in my life, in my church, like in my small group or in my close inner circle. I had to repent of wanting them to be somebody different or something different. And had to learn how to just love who they were and love them where they were, and love them, um, love them where, they at, where they were at. <clears throat> the second thing um, is that the people who love, who do this well, the people who love church well, recognize a couple things about church, that it's made up of humans who are imperfect, and they're spiritual, meaning they're holy. And so, like, both of these things need to be held in tension. Like the church is made up of, it's, it's humans who are imperfect, who are flawed, who are going to disappoint you. Uh, but if you focus on that alone, you will just become a cynical and critical of the church. You have to recognize they're also, this is a spiritual group of people. These are holy, this is a holy thing that God has set apart for His purpose. Set apart to Him and, and from the world in order to be a light into this world. And so it is a special group of people. And, but if you focus just on the, the, the spiritual aspect and the holiness of people and how their Christians are always going to be great and they'll never disappoint you, guess what? You're, you're going to get hurt. And so you're going to be naive to the reality of, of sinful people in your life. And so people who love the church well recognize both the humanity and the, and the spiritual aspect of the people involved. And you need to hold those two things. The third thing is... This is something that we've noticed with our grad students that leave here and go off to other churches is, especially ones that really fell in love with Sunnybrook specifically, is they, they lose sight of the Big C Church. And so the, the third one is we want you to fall in love with the church, Big C Church, while, while connecting to Sunnybrook. Or you could put Eagle Heights, or you could put Countryside, or you could put Grace Presbyterian, or Center Church, or whatever. You could put, but it has to be a name of a church. So what I mean by that is, when you, when you love the people of, of Sunnybrook well, 
you, you actually get to learn to love real people. But we don't want, just want you to fall in love with those people. And then when you leave, you're like, well, I can't find, I can't find anybody like that anywhere, so I'm just not going to go to church. No, we want you to fall in love with real people so that, and, help, and let Jesus help you see like they're a part of the big C church. And that church is anywhere and everywhere you go in this world. Like we want you to fall in love with Jesus' bride. Because it is the greatest, like this is what Drew said the last couple weeks, it's the greatest thing happening on earth is what God is doing in His church. And, and I'll talk more about that later. But um, we want you to fall in love with His church, His bride. But you have to do that by, by being connected to a real, local body of Christ. Um, and the last one is that church is not something we go to but something we belong to. Um, it's not something you go, it's not, church isn't something you go to, it's something you belong to. Um, I, I, think, I think this one is recently become relevant because I think it's easy to, to love the table community and what you find here in connections to peers and um, and what you know when, when you when you hang out with people your own age, you, there's a lot of things that you that you don't have to work hard at doing. Like you you get each other, you're in the same stage of life. There's a lot of things that are the similar that are just kind of across the board, and you can connect deeply quickly. But that's not reality in the real world. Like you don't get out and only hang around people your own age, and you you know you don't only hang around people that are just like you, and so. Um, you have to like learn to become a part of a family, to belong to a family that is multi-generational and has multifaceted. I had to, I had to learn this in college. So after Ryan and I got married, um, the, the, actually the summer we got married, Jim Johnson moved into town. So I met Jim the year before, the summer before. I traveled on camp teams, and he was at a, he was at a church in Illinois, and I was at this camp for a week in Illinois, and, and, and we met. We were actually D group leaders or something. And, um, and so we fast forward a year, and, and Ryan and I got married, and we're walking through church one day, and I see him, and I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, I just moved into town. I'm, I'm a professor at Ozark, and, and what are you doing tonight, by the way? And so, like, literally that night, he invited us over, and he told us to bring some people with him because he's very needy relationally. And, <laughs> and so, so we did. Like, we came over there, and we started hanging out on a regular basis, and we started a small group together, and it was incredible. Um, but, but they really, Andrea and Jim and, and their three boys, it was Matt, Mac, and Max, and they were like five, two, and six months. Um, and, and I got to see this little family and see how they interacted and how they like, cared for each other. But, but they, they went above and beyond to invite Ryan and I into their family. Like, they wanted us to belong to their family. And we didn't know how to do that with people who weren't family. So they started training us, and here's how they would train us. So Jim would say, hey, anytime you guys are free and you're not doing anything, you want to come over, just come over. We'd be like, okay. So we would call, hey, you know, Friday night, we're not doing anything, what are you guys doing? He's like, we're at home, what are you, why are you calling? Just come over. And we're like, well, are you busy? Just come over, and he'd hang up. And I'd be like, he said to come over. Like, <laughs> she's like, well, are they busy? do they mind if we come? Like, should we not? I mean, so we played this game, and I'm like, I don't know. He just said to come over, and he hung up. So what, what am I supposed to do? So then we would drive over there, and we'd ring the doorbell. Like, we'd do this over and over. Eventually, he got trained us to not call. We would just show up, but we would still ring the doorbell. 
And then he'd be like, why are you ringing the doorbell? Just walk in. I'm like, no, we're not going to walk into your house. Yes, it's actually more work for me to come open the door for you. <laughs> Just walk in. I don't, we don't care. And so then we eventually we'd be like, hello, you know. And, and I, I remember one time we walked in, and he and Andrew were having an argument. And we had we'd been around this before because they kind of just let us see the real them. And, and uh, we, Ryan and I kind of had this thing that anytime there was an argument between them two, we would automatically just jump on Andrew's side because three against one was a more even fight, honestly, <laughs> um, with him especially. So he's very good at that. And so we, whatever it was, what's the topic? It's, we're on Andrew's side. What are we doing? What are we fighting for? Okay, you know, and, and so, yeah, so we would, they would let us eat whatever they wanted, you know. I would ask, hey, you know, if I get a drink of water, the cups are, you know where the cups are? Get, you know. And so we, we would allow, I drank so much of their milk. I realized later how much that cost. I, I would always tell them I owe them, like, gallons of milk. Um, but they had to teach us that, like, like being a part of family, it's not something like going to their house wasn't just something we, they wanted us to just show up at. They wanted us to belong to. Like family isn't something you go to, it's something you belong to. And, and, and church should be that way too. And so I want to talk about ways that I think you can, things that I think you can do to, um, to, to belong to a church. I want to prescribe four things for you to do. And each of these will require something of you. And, and the first one is a big one, I think, for you. And, it, and it's simply commit. And with that word, I know that's a, that's a, that's a big word for, for you guys, and it's a big word for anybody, um, because you probably feel like you're committed to a lot of things. Um, but just like I had to, I had to finally like go, okay, Jim keeps telling us to stop calling and to just come over. Jim keeps telling us we're welcome to show up anytime. Like, like we belong there. And at some point, Ryan and I had to just go, okay, he's told us like 20 times. So I think we're going to believe him. And we're just going to act like we belong there. And we did. And, and we benefited so much. I mean, I remember we celebrated, I don't know where you were, well, maybe some of you weren't alive, on, on Y2K. Do you remember Y2K? Huh? We remember. Yeah. We were all like worried the computers were going to crash and the end of the world was going to happen. Ryan and I and Jim were asleep on his couch when it happened. We, somehow we fell asleep and then we woke up afterwards like, is everything okay? He checked his computer like, oh, we're good. Um, so, I, so we drove home. Um, but like, I remember very huge moments talking to them about my marriage in, in his driveway. I remember um, us sitting around in our small group crying over one of the couples who was having some major difficulties and praying for them, and, and really upset about what was going on. I mean, shared some incredible memories, but it, it happened because I, I remember praying with their boys at night and getting to see um, parents like lead their kids spiritually, um, like at their bedtime routine, which Ryan and I like took and carried on into our family as well. And so, so many things happened because we chose to just believe that they wanted us to belong, and we accepted it. And so I think at some point you've got to just say, okay, the, like, the Bible doesn't give us really an option. To be a Christian means to be in, involved in a church, be connected to a church. It's not a four-letter word. It is something that you need to do. Um, there's a family that needs you, and you need a family. And, and that church is out there. The, the second one is to give. Um, 
to give because giving is such a gift um, from God. Think about this. Anything that you give to, okay, maybe it's your time, maybe it's the, the abilities you have, maybe it's your finances, anything you give to, your heart follows. All of a sudden, you become more interested in. All of a sudden, you want to know what's happening. Like when you give to something, you, you feel connected to it. it. Giving is a gift that God has given us to be able to like, feel connected to the things that he, that he desires us to give to. And so we're, we're called to be um, contributors, not consumers. It's really easy at this stage in your life to consume the things that the church provides um, because churches and college ministries really just roll out the red carpet for you guys. And they, they pour hundreds of thousands of dollars into programming and into free stuff and into all kinds of things just so you guys can feel connected and feel invited into a community. But guess what? When you, when you leave college and you get out of college, that doesn't really happen. Like Churches don't just roll out the red carpet for you all the time. You have to, you have to learn to like commit and give to something in order to receive what God has for you. And so you, you've got to contribute. You've got to come alongside and say, okay, I'm going to do this. And, and one way, I thought this was really helpful, I read in this book, we have this great book, Why Bother with Church? And he made one, he made one really good suggestion about, about, about this. He says, if you want to feel connected and, and be giving to a church, know what's going on and have ownership of something. Just know what's going on in the church and have ownership of something, like a ministry or, or a study or, or something the church is doing. I thought that was practical. The third thing is not a fun word, but it's a really important word, submit. Submit. Why would I say that? Why would I, why would I want you, why would that be one of my four things for you to do, is to submit? Um, because, so, let me, let me kind of come at this from a different angle. So, recently heard of, um, this is a true story, okay? Recently heard of a, a, a counselor, I don't, I don't believe Christian, who counseled a, a, a man who's recently left his family okay, for another woman. Counseled him and saying, basically, anytime anybody tells you um, or, or, or makes you feel bad for what you're doing, all they're doing is manipulating you into um, wanting, in, manipulating you into doing what they want you to do. So, so he comes away from this, he's being convinced now that when people meet with, with other Christian brothers and sisters, he's a Christian, this guy, when, when other brothers that, that are concerned for him and care for him meet with him to say, hey dude, what you're doing is wrong. What are you doing? He's convinced now that any, anytime anybody makes him feel bad about what he's doing, they're just manipulating his emotions. So why does that matter? So I hope, you, I hope you see, like, every single one of us in this room, at some point in our life, could get real twisted in our heads about the things that we're, we're going to do and the things that we think are important and what we want. And we can get real frustrated in life. We can get real disappointed, have a lot of expectations that don't happen. And then all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, it makes sense for me to leave, leave her because she doesn't deserve and I, and I haven't ever received and... 
And then all of a sudden, people come along and are like, dude, what you're doing is wrong. You're, you're destroying your family. You're hurting yourself. You're... And he's convinced now that submitting to, to the body of Christ isn't a thing that he needs to do. It's sad. So, submitting to, this is something every single one of us needs. We all need brothers and sisters who can keep us on track, who, who can become like guardrails for us to go, okay, you're, you're starting to venture off a little bit. We need the Spirit of God to speak through His Word and His people to help us kind of keep going towards who God wants us to be. And, and, and God calls us to submit to each other. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is a thing. Like, This is something we're all called to do. And, and you have to be in relationship in order for that to happen. So submission is, is a huge part. Submission to God, submission to His Word, submission to His people is huge. And then the last one is is pray. Um, this one's a lot like giving in that w- the things that you pray for, your heart will follow. Like w- when you start, if you're upset with somebody, start praying for them on a regular basis. And, and all of a sudden you begin to see them the way God sees them and you begin to think of them in a, in a healthier way and you begin to love them the way God wants you to love them. And the same is true for the church. Like, Pray for your church, whatever church you're involved in, whatever church you're a part of. Pray for them. Pray for the leadership. Pray for the ministries that are happening. Pray for the witness that the church has in the community. Pray for um, the missionaries that the, the church is supporting. Pray for specific people that you know are going through things. Have a regular time. Set up a time, regular time every week where you pray for your church because um, you will fall more and more in love with this church. God will help you see this church the way He sees the church, His bride. Because um, there, are, there are, are eternal and profound things happening at church. And sometimes you don't, know, you don't know it. You could be sitting next to somebody, and to you, you're just listening to a sermon, and you're thinking about lunch, and you're thinking about finals, and you're like, oh, that's a cool worship song. And then you leave, and you're like, eh, it was okay. The, the person right next to you, their world could be changing and you don't even know it. And sometimes you can get distracted by whether it's really cool things at church happening or really weird things at church happening. Like I, I remember, so fast forward a little bit in college, um, after like the, the, my last year of college, I decided to start supply preaching. Okay, so it's a thing where um, churches call Ozark and say, hey, can you send... Can you send somebody out to, we got, you know, our minister is going to be gone for a week or two. Can you send someone to preach? So I'd go out, I'd have like four or five sermons, and I would just do this little thing, and I would travel and preach at these different churches. And one particular church, Dedrick Christian Church in Dedrick, Missouri, is about an hour and 20 minutes from Joplin. They needed someone for about three or four months over the summer until they could get someone um, at the beginning of the next school year because they always had Ozark students. So basically... This was a small country church, like 25 people, five or six families, and um, they, they, were, they were known for always having a, like a college student as their minister. Okay? So they heard the same kind of sermons over and over, um, but about every year or two, they would get some new 19-year-old or 20-year-old or 21-year-old that would come in there and preach for a year or two, and then they would get somebody else. And so they're kind of used to this, and they were really gracious to me and to everybody that came, but... 
But this was a kind of small church that, um, like Margaret, literally is her name, playing the piano. Margaret's playing the piano, and this is how they do worship. All right, anybody got a hymn number? Right, so you throw out a, so some lady in the back, 279. And we'd all turn there. Great is our faithfulness. Oh, yeah, she always asks for this one. Okay, here we go. We'll sing this one. All right, somebody give us another one, you know. 311, and it's Go Tell on the Mountain, and it's a, which, is a, which is, by the way, a terrible song. Um, but, you know, Bob always wants to sing Go Tell on the Mountain. So we sing, you know, it's whoever can raise their hand first. That's the song list that we sing. And then they do this other weird thing. They have this little bitty church-like piggy bank. It's a piggy bank that's shaped like a church. Anybody seen these? You know? Does anybody, their home church have one of these? Anybody's home church have one of these? Okay. Yes. Okay. So every, every week, without fail, okay, there's 25 people. And every week, any birthdays? And they'd shake it, and there's change in here. And if it was your birthday, you had to come up with the exact same, exact change, put it in there, and Margaret would play Happy Birthday, and we would sing the whole song. <laughs> And so if, like, they're sitting front, wo- front row, they come up, they put it in, and guess what? We sing the whole song. So they go sit down, and we're, we're, we're singing for the next minute, and it's just awkward. And then, after the birthdays, it's guess what? Anybody know? Nope, anniversaries. Any anniversaries? Same thing, and it, it, which happens, like, three times a year when someone's anniversary is actually on a Sunday with, with six couples in the room. And so, so anyway... They'd come forward and, you know, but, but still, every week you ask. And then, and then we would have, at the end, we would have prayer requests. We would, have, we would always have a communion meditation. I mean, it was, it was old school. There was a sign on the wall that said, last week's attendance, last week's, last week's offering. Um, but it, it's, it's easy to think, like, okay, that's a, that's a boring, old church. What's happening there? Well, I'll tell you one story of one family in that church. So about 15 years prior to, to me preaching, a lady named Brenda is going through a divorce, and she lives in that area. And she had three kids. She had a 12-year-old. She had a 7-year-old. She had a 6-year-old. And, and she, um, she, she goes through this divorce. The, the husband leaves, and, and she's kind of left with kids. And so she... She, she grew up going to church, but when she married him, she kind of fell away. She kind of got um, more in love with him than she did it in, in who God wanted her to be and, and Jesus. And so this was like a huge wake-up call for her, and, and she turned back to church, which is like she started coming to Dedrick Christian Church, which is like a mile and a half, two miles down the street from where she lived. And she got involved, and she started raising her kids there. And she... And she raised, I mean, every week, without fail, she'd bring him to church. And, and every single one of those kids, to this day, is still in church and is raising their family in church. In fact, I, I end up meeting the youngest child. Um, her name is Ryan. And, and Ryan is the person I married, actually. So, so this... this this church that was made up of like, like six families and 25 people, and they had potlucks like every month, which were awesome, by the way, um, that seemed like nothing was happening, and yet God was doing something. God was working in, and like God is changing eternities in people's lives 
um, by what He's doing in His church. And so, like, when you, when you decide to not be involved in a church, you're forfeiting the, the gift of being able to be a part of these kind of eternity-changing moments in someone's life. I, I can tell you countless stories of just by, just by being in proximity with people, seeing God change them and change their families and begin to change like years and decades of abuse and, and sin in, 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 in their previous generations and, and to see God change and renew families and send them on a whole new trajectory that changes not only their eternity but their kids and their kids' kids. And so church is something um, that you need to belong to, that you need to pray for that you need to commit to, um, that you need to give to and submit to. So I'm going to pray. God, I thank you for your church. I thank you for um, how beautiful it is. I thank you for, I think about Ephesians 3 that, that describes like, the church is this mysterious thing that you are proclaiming, it says, like your manifold wisdom to, to the spiritual forces all over um, because of what Jesus has done in us. Like you're shouting through us, through what you've done in us to all the principalities of this world, this co- the cosmos, and you're, and you're proclaiming your goodness through us. So God, I pray that we would fall in love with your church, your bride, that we would love her as you love her and commit to her and desire to serve her. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to take a few minutes and then we have some people who are literally like the next stage after you that are here. Drew's going to interview and talk about how they have been committed to a church. So stick around. All right. Uh, for those of you guys who do not know, ooh, I just almost bit it off the stage. For those of you who do not know, this is Dakota Higgins, um, who's a table alum, used to be in the table uh, himself, and this is Alyssa Bell and Ashley Bell. Sister, I know you, well, you do have name tags too, but I knew you anyway, I promise you. Um, Alyssa and Ashley Bell. And so we've invited them here for a couple of reasons. One is because... Uh, these are people at Sunnybrook who love the church and, uh, and who are uh, churching well, to use the verb again. And, uh, and second, because they are in the stage, as Scott said, they're in the stage that you're about to be in, uh, which is not an easy stage sometimes when it comes to connecting to the church. And so we wanted to give them just a chance to kind of uh, share a little bit of, of their story and, and what that's looked like for you. So real quick. How long have each of you guys been connected in at Sunnybrook? Uh, about 22 years. About 22 years. All right. Sweet. <laughs> four years. Okay. We've been three It's four years. It's three and a half. It's not four. <laughs> so, huge difference there. A lot of controversy right out of the gate. We're going to see this goes. But three and a half to four years for the Bell Sisters. Uh, sweet. Uh, so, tell, tell us a little bit. Uh, Dakota, I know your situation is actually kind of complicated because it's been 22, but it's probably not been like 22 solid years, it's right? It's been like 
17. Yeah. Okay, so, so. in and out and those things. T- tell me a little bit, like, what has, over the last few years, um, I don't, I don't want to go too far ahead into you, but just, I mean, Dakota would tell you, like, um, he's been involved and uninvolved and, and involved and uninvolved, and in the last several years of his life, God has really gotten a hold of him, and there's been a lot of really amazing growth in him. It's been one of the more encouraging things in my life to get to watch this brother grow. He used to be in a table group of mine. Yep. Um, one of the first. <laughs> my, my, I was leading a table group, and it was a fun table group with some great guys. It was a little bit of a mess. Uh, and I used to tell, I used to say, you know, everybody else in their table group is worried about how they can help their people grow in community and follow Jesus. I'm just trying to keep my table group out of jail. That was like my, that was my main goal for that year. Uh, but, uh, but, but honestly, the stuff that, that the Holy Spirit has been doing in Dakota's life has been really cool. And, and his connection to the church has been a big part of that. So tell me real quick, like what, what does the church mean to you? How, how has it benefited you being involved in that? Well, um, it's been about two and a half years since I came back, and uh, that's kind of been the new beginning for me. Um, I completely walked away seven years ago, probably, six or seven, and uh, Scott invited me to the men's encounter about ten or twelve times before I finally said yes, and that was kind of the, the begin new beginning for me in getting involved and, and uh, kind of plugged back in, so... And and a lot of what you have done, like the men's encounter, wasn't just like an event, but it really, like I I witnessed, it connected you into community with all these guys. Yeah, and and I've seen just a lot of growth through those things. Yeah, so, definitely. Cool. Um, Bell sisters, I don't care how which one first. Uh, what what has church meant to you? Your your connection and involvement at Sunnybrook, how has that kind of benefited you? I would say this is the first time we've ever actually been like really. Oh, I mean, you know, we grew up going to church, but. I actually involved in participating and not just like falling asleep because the pastor was boring or something like that. You know, we're actually involved in doing things. And I think when we went to Sunnybrook at first, we didn't like it. <laughs> and then we started interning there, so then I felt like we had to like it. <laughs> and then they got better. Then we actually like Morgan, we, I don't know if you guys know her, but she was really, really, at, I don't know what the word is, but just was trying to get us into a life group. Yeah, she participated really hard. And so we finally joined a life group, and that's where, like, I feel like we have been able to get involved, like, with everything, it seems like. I feel like the getting into life group has just got us to do stuff with, like, the kids and everything else, I feel like. <laughs> I would say it's been, like, a family for me. Um, mm-hmm. Since we started following Jesus, we've been really close with our family, and our family's huge. There's, like, 12 of us, but There's since following... Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, I do love her. Um, I think it's people have loved us when our family we are like not as close with family because we used to be super close with them. But since following Jesus, that hasn't been the case, and like, you can feel really alone leaving. I think because we were in Stumo, so you always had people around, and so I think for me a lot, it's been that people have like pursued us and loved us where we're at. So you found as actually you you've actually found exactly what Jesus said in I think it's Mark ten that yeah. um, that anyone who uh, who gives up father or mother or sister or brother to follow me will receive a hundred times as much not just in the next life but in this life in yeah. the church so that's cool uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, anybody either of you however you want to jump in on this like what what are some of the difficulties of plugging into a church post college what makes that hard. 
Um, Ashley, you were quick to talk about how much you didn't mm-hmm. like the church. So, uh, uh, I, like, what, yeah. what makes that hard? I think it comes with a lot of responsibility. And so, like, you're, you just graduated and you're like, okay, I'm like an adult, kind of. And so you don't want to have to feel like you have to go. Like, you want to just go and kind of chill because you're really stressed out in my mind. But you're not only that for yourself. So I think it was just like knowing that if I get involved with like the church and having to serve, people are gonna hold me accountable to things. I might have to like do a lot of like dishes or something. I'm not very good at serving. So it just is like that was really hard for me. Is just knowing that I would be held accountable. I think for a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the well Scott talked about like commit, and there's something yeah. that is when you actually commit, when you quote unquote like sign on the dotted line. It's like ah. If I start showing up, they're going to expect me to yes. show up, and they're yeah. going to expect me to do stuff and those things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Alyssa Dakota, what would you say? What was the difficulty you encountered in that? I just didn't know where to get involved. Okay. I mean, I, it was one of those things that's, I don't know, kind of quiet and keep to myself a lot, and I didn't really know. I didn't want to get out of my comfort zone. Okay. So that was that was huge for me. Okay. I think, like... With Stumo, we had a community, and then, like, so churches always have something for college kids, and then if you're, like, married and have kids or something for you, and you graduate, it's like, all right, cool, like, what do I do? And there, you never, like, you think there's no one else who's in your stage of life. So that's why it was so good for a life group for us, just because we found people who are in our stage of life. But I think it's, you feel alone, because you're like, all my friends are gone. And then everyone up here is married, so, like, where do I fit in yeah. all this? So then what did, and you, I guess you already started touching on it a little bit, but like practically, what are steps you've taken to, to overcome those difficulties? What are steps you've taken to, in this stage of life, make sure that you are a part of the local body and, and invested and involved in it? Oh, me? Okay. Anybody. anybody yeah. <laughs> I think the big thing is life group. Uh, that's like one way that we got involved. I interned for Sunnybrook, so I got to see a lot in like... Jim, Jim and Ryan were like, oh, you're not going to do that? You don't love Jesus? And I do love Jesus, so I was like, oh, I need to do this. But I think being in a life group, you, like, that was already serving, helped to see the point, like, why to get connected, and why it's, like, important. I think that's kind of how it was Morgan pursuing us. And I remember Scott actually coming up to us and talking to us, and I was like, who is this man? And he did it, like, three or four times, and I was like, why are these people talking to us? So I think people, like, letting them, like, love you and invite you in is mm-hmm. also like laying down walls to like they want to love me and they want me to be involved it's big mm-hmm. I think after we actually became a member like of the church like went through the whole like membership class just to learn more about the body that's when we started you know actually getting more involved and then uh, even putting yourself out there like I help lead a small group with junior girls high school girls are really scary but they are nice sometimes but, but anyway, just like getting involved with like the youth is really important too, I think, just to help you grow and it keeps you accountable and things too, so that's good. I just had people keep asking, like, like I said, Scott was asking me to go to the encounter, and through that I got plugged in with a lot of other people, like, I helped Wednesday nights with Drew. With and now we're trying to keep these second grade boys out of jail. <laughs> out of jail. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Dakota and I lead a small group with, with another yep. guy there. So. But uh, kind of, I guess like the encounter is kind of my like doorway to serving more different or different areas and getting more involved with that. So. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I noticed actually is interesting even hearing you say like membership did that, mm-hmm. which is funny because that's kind of the the very thing that you dreaded was like the accountability of being known and what it may. But but that's it's actually doing that kind of. Mm-hmm. Placing your membership is what caused that connection for you. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Um, 
any any advice you would give if 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 you could go back to college you and uh, and say hey this is what it's going to mean for you to get plugged in post college um, is there anything anything you would say to yourself or to I guess the, the people in this room? I would say let God's people love you. That's hard for me, and that's why I didn't want to get involved because I don't I didn't trust people, and so letting them love you. So if you go to a church and like an eighty year old woman asks you to dinner or lunch, go, and they do, and they love when you come over, and it's cool to watch them do life, and then you're like, oh, I, I want that. And you're like, you're eighty, why do you want to hang out? With me? But they love us. I don't know what it is, but you should hang out with them. So I really think like let your walls down. So I think we get kind of cocky, like, oh, we graduated, like, I don't know what I'm doing, I have a job now, you can't tell me anything. We know nothing. Like, you really don't know anything. So you need mentors. So, like, I think just be open to that. I think committing, just don't church hop. I feel like church hopping is really cool sometimes. I did that. I was in live church one day, then I moved to Sunnybrook, and it was, like, boring. I went to Eagleside, whatever. So I went to a lot of different churches at first, just because I didn't I think it's because of the whole commitment thing. So I think don't church hop, find a church that's really good, that, well, I don't it speaks to you, but, t- yeah, teaches biblical truth. I think it's really important, too. Um, and then commit, and then serve. As much as you can, just, like, ask someone who's a leader or whatever and just ask about getting involved with the youth ministry. Maybe you don't like kids. You can do older kids. I would do younger kids because they don't talk back as much. But, you know, it's whatever you want. But I think, and also getting involved to life, into, like, a life group is really important, getting that community there are people who are like you, most likely in that church, you just have to put yourself out there, and then you'll find, like, others like you, like, oh, I'm alone, so, yeah. That's cool. Uh, find something you're passionate about, like, for me, it's kids, and so I got plugged in with the kids' ministry, and I, it's, it's not work, I mean, I, I enjoy doing it, it usually. It is for me, it is <laughs> total work for me, but Dakota is awesome with them. But, seriously, like, find something you're passionate about, and then kind of like ask like where you can be plugged in or served with with your passions because it's it's a lot easier I would say to serve where you're passionate about than something I mean that you have no no desire to do that's cool cool. Um, uh, I appreciate you guys coming and and coming share with us and more than that I appreciate you guys' heart for the church and your investment in it it really is I mean this an encouragement to me I hope it's an encouragement to you guys, and I hope maybe you'll even take advantage for a few minutes here, and if you've got questions coming, and uh, maybe maybe chatting with them, introducing yourself, and, and getting to know uh, other brothers and sisters in your church a little bit. Uh, let me pray us out, and we'll be, we'll be done for the year, which is great, you huh? Dear God, thank you for your church. Thank you for your people. Help us to love you through your church and the real people in your church, not just the idea of your church. Help us to uh, love your people and invest in it and commit to it. We ask you that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. See you next week at the cookout.